This is Malia Brown, and I am so grateful to bring you Many Ways to Peace. Thank you for amplifying peace just by listening. Brown, and I'm talking with Charles W. Thomas, Jr., lay minister of the Forgiveness Ministry at the Detroit Unity Temple, an institute for higher learning. Thank you, Charles, for being here with me today. Thank you, uh, Malia, for inviting me and, and uh, this work that you do that, that uh, I'm, I'm excited about and, and really excited to be uh, uh, one of the people you saw fit to interview. That is such an honor. So thank you. Yeah, thank you very much. Well, I know that you're up to great things in the world. And we've had a few conversation and precursor to being here today. So today we're going to give just a little sampling to our listeners of what you're really up to in the world. And then they're going to be looking forward to many more conversations from you and with you, I know. And I'm very excited for what's available for the listener inside of this conversation. Would you be willing to share a little bit more about what you do in the world and who you are? Well, certainly, uh, uh, especially about the the, uh, the forgiveness work that that I've been uh, doing um, as a labor of love for about the last twelve years, at least. Uh, I guess, uh, yeah, more than that, um, maybe even fifteen years that before uh, our forgiveness work at the temple, Detroit Unity Temple, turned into a bona fide lay ministry there. Uh, we did projects and workshops to uh, um, help people with uh, forgiveness issues and to educate people about what forgiveness is and what forgiveness isn't. Uh, so that, that got me started in this when our uh, senior minister at the time asked me to to put together a a type of handbook on forgiveness so a group of us got together to do that and uh, now that's grown into a a ministry that meets uh once a month every fourth sunday and we have conversations uh among the the members and when new people come in who who have forgiveness issues and we have uh prayer and conversation with them uh, to uh, help them with whatever it is that they've they've come in seeking help with. The um, the peace work grew out of that last August. I don't even remember how this happened. I became aware of a book by the Arbinger uh, Institute uh, called The Anatomy of Peace. And what struck me about it is that it gave such a clear process, a way of thinking uh, that would help people in personal relationships um, that could be in a business environment, a family environment, uh, uh, or, or just in, a, in, in, in the conflict with some, someone that they, they have some ongoing relationship with uh, that has the basic premise of you can do anything with a heart of peace or a heart of conflict. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and which which heart you choose sets the tone and the quality of of that relationship and what's possible to to get done there so we we started that in last august and uh had a an, an online teleseminar among the members of the forgiveness ministry as we we read the book and and shared our experiences with that that grew into a, a face-to-face uh, class class slash workshop that that met for about four four weeks three contiguous weeks and then um, we took a break for New Year's and had two more meetings in um, January and February of this year. Uh, that led to the project that I shared with you about the bracelet. Let's see if I can get that so that you can see it, which you took, what of, uh, that we use the anatomy of peace as a backdrop for people to test and grow in their own consciousness of peace by taking the bracelet and moving it from one arm to the next when they they found that they weren't at the level of peace that they uh, they would prefer to have uh so that's gotten me i guess for the last uh, more than six months um very interested in peace and looking at peace as it relates to forgiveness and how choosing peace uh, can affect and elevate relationships and even in business to help get things done that when people can relate to people as people as another human being not an object that's an obstacle or an ally uh, or um, uh, someone that doesn't matter we can relate because people understand that they 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 get that uh that that energy um even if it's not spoken that that's how we we gain cooperation and and more importantly collaboration and synergy so that's a long story for a short question about how this got started well you you bring forth so many wonderful nuggets in your story and that you know for you it sounds like it started a bit with forgiveness Yes. Really having to have the forgiveness inside of you so that you could be open to the next conversation, which was peace. Yes. Yeah. There was, um, there was a person that uh, I've lost contact with, uh, I hope temporarily, who came to the ministry over a year ago and uh, wanted to do a peace project. And I, I told her, you know, that we didn't necessarily have that expertise uh, but we would be willing to to work with her on that, and uh, she had a um, a situation with her health that she's she's had to retire from doing uh, that work right now. But um, I'm I'm thinking of her in this moment and uh, envisioning uh, us being able to be more supportive and 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 uh, an, an organization that that she can uh, ally with uh, in the work that she wants to do with peace, which is a little different than what we've been doing, but it, it still has the same foundation. So, uh, yeah. And are you, are you thinking that that foundation is really on the basis of 
a heart of conflict versus a heart of peace or is the foundation forgiveness? What are you thinking about that foundation? I think, I, I, I think it's a little bit of, 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 of all of that. Uh, but the, yes, the, the heart of peace, heart of conflict dichotomy, yeah. uh, the, uh, the anatomy of peace is uh, subtitled resolving the heart of conflict. Uh, when, when we talk about that in, in our work, we, we say cultivating the heart of peace, just to keep the energy of peace foremost and, and not so much getting rid of conflict. We're talking about embracing peace. Yeah, what a powerful image to embrace peace. Yes. Right? And we yeah. really are embracing the part of our hearts that maybe are hurting, which I think is part of the forgiveness work. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Usually when we're out of peace, there is a component where forgiveness is needed. Mm-hmm. That we're we're holding someone in judgment. It may be ourselves. It may be ourselves and others. Uh, that when we cultivate the heart of peace, I think a natural byproduct of that is is self forgiveness, as well as uh, at least a willingness to to forgive another. And that seems to be so uh, needed now in in our our culture, our, our uh, national conversation. Uh, it could be even local and, and state level conversations that, that are maybe politically oriented or, or um, policy oriented to, to be able to recognize when we are essentially deceiving ourselves that we, we really care about getting something done but we're still trying to justify what we believe about that at the expense of another's humanity or our, or our own humanity. Yeah. Wow. That is such a beautiful way of looking at that. And I, I hear you saying, speaking into the same dichotomy of conflict and peace here, we're mm-hmm. saying, well, we want something, but we're mm-hmm. not maybe willing to do what we need to do for it. Yes. Right. Right. <laughs> right that's right. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You, you mean I got to forgive them? <laughs> oh, no. They're awful. I can't forgive them. <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I love how that brings into just a willingness. You know, yeah. you, you might not even need to do the work right at this moment, but That's you right. need to be a kernel of willingness inside That's of right. you. Yeah. That's right. That opens the door to your heart just to be willing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And I imagine you sit with a lot of people who might say to you, well, wait a minute. Why is that the starting point for the life that I would love living? Why is that the starting point for a life where I love myself is to forgive? And is that some questions that you might hear along the way? You know, some variation on that. Um, A question more often is, I want, you know, I love them. I want them to do this, but, and usually what follows the but is something like, like that, you know, but they won't change or they won't listen or, or, you know, putting the responsibility out there um, rather than, and, and that's not to say that there isn't some responsibility. 
that the other person may need to live into. But that that's not our responsibility to get them to be more responsible. The only people we can get to be more responsible is being more responsible in ourselves with our uh, our understanding, our belief. You know that um, what what we believe is so important because that's our truth. And I, I've had I've had to think about over the years what what people mean when they say, "Well, this is my truth." And as I was of the uh, belief that there's one truth, you know, an absolute truth. And what I realize is that, that that's true, but the truth that people live into is the truth that they believe is true. So if there is something that is, say, universally true, say God's truth or the truth of natural law, however you might, universal truth, that if there is such an absolute, that what what we're about is to bring ourselves into harmony with that, and there are paradigms that we've become conditioned to that can make us blind to that. So we have to be willing to be able to put all of our beliefs under the microscope of our higher consciousness to see how does it fit in with with a larger truth. So we may never be able to fully contain universal truth while we're in the body. I'm not sure that we we can do that. But I do believe that we can always expand our capacity for truth. So when we're holding another person uh, in in a state less than we would hold ourselves, and, and this includes when we hold ourselves in a small state as well, if if we aren't willing to let them have the the freedom to express themselves that we would want to have and have respect for their truth, even when we see that there may be a larger truth that works for us, that uh, there's something about dealing with, with people as fellow human beings uh, rather than as 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 objects as um inferior inferior or even superior you know that uh um that's where we need to connect anything else is self-deception in some ways, if we do look at people as objects, either inferior or superior, actually, we're really starting by objectifying ourselves, aren't we? We are. Yeah. yeah. So we are the initial object, and we're not That's relating right. to ourselves as human, like, yeah. you know, with the qualities of humanity. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's so true. And, and, and it was the anatomy of peace that brought me into a, a greater understanding of that. I, I, I really found that a new a new concept uh, it, in, you know, they're a, a business consulting um, company. So uh, most of their work, I want to say most, a lot of their work deals with um, how to make businesses better, more productive, more efficient, more congenial. And uh, the, the follow on book, that they have to the anatomy of peace is one that does um, 
leadership and self-deception. So you talk about many of the failures in leadership is when we deceive ourselves into um, uh, thinking that by objectifying a person, even if we don't call it that, is what we need to to get people to work harder, be more productive, uh, to um, to satisfy what we need, what we what we want for our bottom line. So that uh, I, I'm I'm looking at at that material as um, uh, a context that we might be able to uh, bring ideas of of forgiveness and peace into the workplace in a practical way. Because I think if 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 we the, the more that we can uh, show how to value peace in our families, in our everyday life, outside of a, a spiritual community, um, uh, that, that that's what makes the difference. That's when we're more civil. That's when we can get along with each other more. And in that, we have the collaborative energy to solve some of the problems that seem unsolvable now, especially those that are fairly abstract. You know, that um, uh, you can see both sides of an argument, but you know that the trend is not healthy. So we've got to find some new answers that neither side has. And that's a great thing to think about for a while, isn't it? That maybe we don't have the answers yet for the current conversations. And that's kind of a willingness just to see. That's right. I don't know just yet, but I'm willing to talk about it. And I'm willing to say maybe some of the old thinking is not going to solve this problem. Yes. And, and it goes a little further that when we can have that conversation, that we have, we have faith in who we are intrinsically mm-hmm. to be able to do this together, that we can leave our uh, paradigm of, independence and practice more interdependence Mm. you and i can do more together than either one of us could do separately if we can hold that as a value then then peace forgiveness all of that seems to just get into uh, fall into uh, a workable structure that way well and i understand your background having been in the corporate world for a long time and you come to this place from a maybe the scientific background, right? As an electrical right. engineer and a man yeah. who has yeah. a lot of history under his belt. So can you address yeah. how you would change from that kind of business and science mindset and evolve in this way? Yeah, that, 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 that's a potentially another long story. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll say this, I'll say this. In the mid-70s, it was right after I, I had uh, finished grad school, I, I, I did my undergraduate work in, in electrical engineering and, and then uh, uh, graduate school in, in computer science. And it was after getting my graduate degree, I, uh, I went to work for Polaroid in, in uh, New Bedford, Massachusetts. And I started wondering about uh, religion and, and, and meditation. 
but I was under the, the belief that of the clockwork universe, that all we had to do was, was find the equation that we could plug the unknowns into and we would eventually know everything. Um, being Woldrich, uh, the Woldrich of the uh, uh, partnership TRW, wrote a book called The Mechanical Man around that time. And I, I read that book and, and liked it, uh, really liked it, could, could kind of, at that time, polyparrot some of the things that he had written. Uh, but I got interested in meditation and in, in pursuing that and uh, getting to know more about the, the quantum physics of, of the 60s when I, I studied it and I really did not understand it. I, I, got, I got a C to get out. <laughs> it never went back to physics after that. Um, but th there was one thing in quantum physics that, that I, I went back to try to understand more was uh, Heisenberg's uncertainty principle that you can't know the position and, and the uh, momentum of a, of a particle simultaneously. I mean, that seems unknowable. Maybe someday we'll know more and uh, that, that mystery will be solved. But through the, the metaphysical um, ideas and being, meditating where things were clear, I, I couldn't explain why they were clear, but they, they were working in my life. That's what brought me to, to this work. Um, it was uh, in the pursuit of meditation I found the, the unity movement. And um, uh, for the last 40 years, I've been an active true student in unity. And, and, and what I find is that the mental, which engineering and science really focus on. And sometimes I think erroneously exclude. And when I say erroneously, that people who say that, you know, it's just the facts, that's all I'm dealing with, don't acknowledge the intuitive hits that they get that would have them go take a, a particular course of action to bring their logic and, and, and science, scientific method to. So I see the two uh, working together. And as you pointed out earlier, it's really the willingness to um, find the integration. Now, these days, I would say certainly all of the 21st century so far, much of the science does embrace the, the softer subjective ideas of mind and spirit, uh, at, at least the people that I read, you know. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there are others that have a, a very different premise for why things are as they are. And uh, that's fine. I, I still see them within the context of the truth that I pursue. Well, and, and that too is a willingness, right? A willingness yes. to hear the other side, as you mentioned, and to be yes. open to, maybe we don't know all the answers yet. And so engaging in the dialogue and the conversation is a really a critical part of 
finding your own personal place of peace. Yes, yes, yes. That, that, that's it. Because what you don't believe, well, let me put it this way. What you do believe will keep showing up in your life. So if, if you really believe that peace is impossible and you're not willing to uh, think in, a, in, in any other different way, that will be, that will be true for you. Um, Thomas Troward said something that, that took a little time for me to process. And he said that whatever differs from what you truly believe, your authentic belief, will occur as sin to you. And I realized that there are people who sincerely believe what is truth for me is not true be sin for them that doesn't mean that it's a sin for me and the sin being a sense of failure and missing the mark that uh, what we can hold is true is possible and i think that that the scripture that says with god all things are possible is that the with that that we we hold as the ultimate truth when we are in in um harmony with that then we whatever we 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 think of whatever we ask for in that energy in the in the name of that will be done so for me it's very important that what i hold in that energy is the most comprehensive expansive benevolent compassionate loving idea or image that I can hold. That that's part of my responsibility for those people who dwell within the influence of my energy field. That who, who I become is, is part of my responsibility to humanity. That if I, if I become a, 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 a robber or a criminal, then I'm failing in my responsibility because that damages all humanity. But if I become the best that I aspire to be, uh, that also impacts all humanity. So, you know, that, and, and that's something we can never prove, but it's what we can hold in our, in our belief that makes a difference. Well, when I heard you say it's not something we can prove, and I also heard you say there is a kind of a science to this. And so when mm -hmm. you were discussing, you know, an energy field or giving out an energy, mm -hmm, if we mm -hmm. could just touch on that a little bit so people can bring it into the practical nature of what that means. Sure, sure, sure. Well, one, one of the things that I, I, I believe in, in, in uh, one of the things that, that brought me into an interest in, in, uh, electrical engineering was as a, um, a young teenager, actually a preteen, I got interested in radio. And one of the first things that I, I, I learned in the pursuit of, of um, uh, getting an amateur radio license was uh, electromagnetic fields. And that, that they're invisible, but you can see or perceive uh, their existence. The, 
we're doing this right <laughs> you're in utah i'm in michigan we can we can see each other um all of that is the activity of uh um, invisible fields and there there are other kinds of fields but i use that because it's very clear to me that the the brain the heart i would say every cell in the body emits a field there are even instruments that can measure the kind of aura an energy field that we have around us that field can be palpable if we're sensitive to it so that's why you know that that a a person who is who is angry you can feel their presence even if you aren't looking at them. Certainly, they're going to be body language cues and, and, and uh, those kinds of physically discernible things. But I, th I think all of us, if we stop and, and think about it, uh, when, when we're um, sensitive, we, you know, we, can, we can notice what's going on with another. I think Eckhart Tolle talks about uh, being in the presence of um, a pain body, that a person who's suffering, even though they aren't saying anything, they could be on the other side of the room for you, can bring a sadness that you don't know where it's coming from. And it, it's, it's that nature that I'm talking about where we, we want to elevate that energy field. Uh, David Hawkins talks about empowered versus force how he calibrated levels of consciousness and the impact that the higher levels of consciousness have with um, uh, the number of people in the world. Um, so there's work going on in that. Our, our, our instruments are sensitive enough that, that we, we're, I think, scratching more deeply in, into the surface of that. So I hope that answered the question. <laughs> I, I think it does. Yeah. And, and there's one thing that um, I love how, you know, you could say we can feel the pain body and, you know, some people yeah. kind of shut down their emotion or their yeah. feeling and particularly maybe even young men when they're, yes. you know, in teenage years thinking that that, that emotion and feeling that they have is a bit overwhelming. And if yes. they were to constantly express it, they have to be um, very cautious about it. I, I'm noticing that in the people that I work with all the time. Do you okay. see that too? Yeah. I, you know, I, I would say, you know, I don't get an opportunity to work with young men, teens or early, early 20s uh, men, but, but in uh, uh, more mature men, um, especially on a social level, um, men my age that have been around for a few decades, that out, outside of my unity community, we have a kind of code that there is a way that we comport ourselves, even what we talk about, what we will agree to, you know, um, that uh, I think has us bear in solitude a lot more than we really need to. Yeah. So yeah, I, I guess to that extent I have, and, and even with even with with women, um, a similar thing that 
there, there are these paradigms of what's socially acceptable or what we should do. Um, not so much being true to who we really are. Uh, you know, that we, we kind of forfeit who we really are to, to be more conforming. Yeah, that, uh, and, and, you, and it's all around. I, I think it's, from what I've read, it's, it's uh, supposedly more true of teenagers and, and young people who are uh, discovering themselves, you know, because um, the forces for them to conform are so strong that uh, when, when they, they see what group they're going to be with or uh, what, what they're going to devote their interest to, then, then they adapt to the group idea of that. And I, and I guess that's just part of how we mature. Well, maybe also, you know, is it a matter of an existing old belief system that's not working out? It really reinforces and affirms independence. Yes. And yes. what we're up to here actually is broadening the word you used earlier, which is intradependence. Yes. We can't yes. go it alone. We're not here alone. Right. That's right. That's right. We're social animals. <laughs> that, 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 that. That's why solitary confinement is such a horrendous punishment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And we're broadening that conversation being here together and the listeners being here with us are broadening that conversation of interdependence, which is, you know, a really, that's maybe one step in the direction to peace. It's just yes. really. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, the only way we can have that is with peace. Yeah. If we're, if we're constantly in conflict, we, we, we won't even be able to get along with ourselves to be able to contribute anything in an interdependent uh, relationship. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 When I, I always loved the practical way that Wayne Dyer put it. He said, mm -hmm. you know, people as energy beings, this is, this is not an exact quote, but people as energy beings, you know, if you're um, embarrassed or ashamed, your face might flush. You know, if you're happy, you might smile. And yeah. he, his quote, you know, is, if you squeeze an orange, you get orange juice. <laughs> yes. And I feel that about us. If we have forgiveness in our hearts and if we have peace in our hearts, yes. then when we're squeezed in the moment when it might feel a little uncomfortable to be us, whether yes. it's with another family member or in traffic or at a school function or even yeah. watching a, pol you know, a political commentary, if we're squeezed and we have forgiveness and peace inside of us, yes. and it's naturally expressed right. coming out right. of us. Right, right. I agree. That, that's that's the, uh, the litmus test, the, the, yeah. the taste test. Um, but the good news is that when we do get squeezed and what comes out is sour milk, we can <laughs> say that that is now out, outside of me. I can replace that with something else. Yeah. You know, if I don't just hold on to what got me there in the first place, you know, that, that, that made the milk curdle, <laughs> you, know? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. Yeah, we have instant access to the thought that led to the milk curdling, right? That's that's right. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's really right. great. That, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned meditation as a practice for you that helps you to see a broader truth for you. Are there any yeah. other practices, maybe on a daily basis, that you put into play that make your life 
more in line with who you say you are? Um, yeah, there are a few journaling, um, um, solitary and group prayer, uh, the life visioning process. Um, in fact, we, we have a, a visioning retreat uh, coming up this weekend uh, in, in Ann Arbor where um, uh, we're bringing a group of people together to experience uh, visioning as a, uh, a type of meditation that's inquiry about asking the universal truth, the God of our being, um, what's the highest vision of the life that I live? And uh, there's, a, there's a process around that to uh, look at the intersection of our highest good and the highest good of what we're creating or our organization where they intersect. What does, what, what's the vision of that working at the highest level? Uh, so I'm, I, I do a visioning call once a month, every fourth Sunday. Um, we've been doing that for about the last eight or nine years. So that, that's, that's one of the, the, the things that I, I believe in. So the, the visioning, the prayer that supports visioning, meditation, um, conversations like we're having, not necessarily recorded. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and study. Yeah, daily study. And what type of study? Um, well, the, about relationships, about relationships with spirit, with God, um, the nature of love, um, manifestation, um, I guess anything that, that, uh, seems to bring some relief to the human condition. Uh, I, I generally read and, and some things that capture my, uh, attention and sustained curiosity. I'll, I'll spend time on like, like this, this anatomy piece that, that had a life of its own with me. And we're going to talk more about that in future sequences, which I'm very excited about. And one of the things you mentioned just now was curiosity. Yes. Right. Yes. And, yes. And when you talk about the human condition, if we, if we just for a minute said, Curiosity is actually one of the greatest human conditions. Yes, that's right. That's right. That's right. That, that can keep us alive and growing. Yeah. When we stop being curious, I, I, I wonder, you know, so what, what do you do then? <laughs> <laughs> what do you do then? Yeah. <laughs> and, and pretty great because inside of curiosity actually that's where the kernel of willingness can be found right yeah because you have if you're curious you have to be willing to step off the path yeah. that you're on for a while you know yeah. to to explore and that can be an anathema to some people because i've got my mind out i'm going there you know and, and and there's some things that that probably it it's worth, you know, if I had to have brain surgery, I, I would want a brain surgeon that had that attitude uh, toward his preparation for uh, going into my skull yeah. or, or, or an airline pilot that had that kind of tenacity uh, um, that he wasn't 
uh, curious about ballet, <laughs> you know, <laughs> dedicated his time to flying. So. <laughs> Maybe in his off hours, but certainly not when he was flying you, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, you touched on something that is, you know, um, very sensitive to my heart because I actually had brain surgery. Oh, okay. Yeah, and when I when I was diagnosed with, you know, this condition, this, um, you know, potentially fatal condition, mm -hmm. my first instinct was, oh my, I just took a deep breath and I thought, oh my gosh, what in the world? I never would have thought I needed brain surgery. There was no signs or indications. I didn't have any symptoms of that. Right. And what happened to me was I went out and sought experts yes. that were experts in that level of care, the caring for that part of my body. Right. And as I did, I, I noticed they really did have a direct path, hmm. but they also didn't have an exact answer. Right. And I think that's the beautiful part of being, um, having, knowing that you can go down a path yeah. and that you can be willing to look for answers along the way. They, they commonly would say to Malia, me, well, Malia, you know, we really don't know exactly what this is. Mm -hmm. But here's what the likely possible situation is. You know, mm -hmm. you could have a brain bleed and then your mind would not be your own anymore. You wouldn't have access to your mind. Mm -hmm. um, meaning the broader spectrum of the, the mind itself, the physical part of the mind, right? right, the, right. the neurons and that part of my mind. Yes. So when five years later, when I went to have the brain surgery, I, there was just one more question that I needed to ask my brain surgeon. And it was this. I want to know from you that I'm going to be the same or better coming out the other side. Yes. And I never knew for five years that really that was the one thing in my way was his belief. Ah, oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, how important is that? Yeah. It's not so much what, what he knew or his skill, yeah. but what did he really believe? That's that authentic belief. Yes. What I authentically believe is what will transpire yeah. in my life. Yeah. Yeah. And he yeah. was really able, his conviction and his belief of, yes, you will be this way or better. Yeah. I actually could borrow that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. And, and I like comparing, you know, the story that Mary Morrissey talks about in, in her, uh, her kidney situation. She talks about borrowing the belief at a different level in that, but nonetheless, having borrowed that belief, the result is what was desired. And I can see that direct parallel in this situation, you know, that, that there's a person who narrowed their focus to be a specialist and the reason I, I chose brain surgery as an example is it's so meticulous. It There's a skill level that uh, is required. And, 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 and that, that person, that surgeon, devoted their life to being the best that they could be at that, that they could have the belief to be able to assure you yeah. of what we see before us now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Oh, wow. Wonderful. I, yeah. And funny enough, I had, in addition to his belief, you know, I had a few of my own, which we all do. 
Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. one of my big beliefs was in fun. Okay. And so that's actually how brain surgery turned out for me. It turned out with a belief <laughs> of coming out better and fun. Yeah. And this is no coincidence, but I I believe in something much greater than me here, mm-hmm. you know, the God, the spirit, the unity of all that there is. And I couldn't have made this happen, but my anesthesiologist name was Dr. William Shakespeare. Come on. <laughs> I know. Right? Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 And the rest of that story is quite miraculous. And I just, I, I acknowledge who you are in the world because you, you see for yourself, you know, there are belief systems that are helpful, mm-hmm. you know, and we often refer to those maybe as a paradigm and the paradigm just means the belief system, but there are helpful paradigms. Mm-hmm. And then there are paradigms that are not on the path to what we say we're up to. That's right. Not so helpful. That's right. Right. That's right. That's so right. we're, we're so lucky that we can have conversations like this where we can see, well, that one doesn't help me get where I say I want to go. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 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 I I, I can continue to believe this or I could believe something else and be happy. Yes. (laughs) Have fun. Have fun. (laughs) And all my needs met. So, (laughs) right. And with forgiveness in my heart, I go forward, you know, you know, to a heart of peace. I love that. I love that about everything that you've said that all we have to do is line ourselves up in our speaking Mm -hmm. and then in our thinking Mm -hmm. and then one more layer into our belief system. Yeah. And we do that by being curious. Yes. Yes. Willing to explore. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Well, that's great. So let me ask you if, if the world that you're envisioning for yourself, this Mm -hmm. one, you know, I'm imagining that people really would embrace forgiveness in their hearts, but maybe there's a world you can see that if it all worked out in 10 years from now, what would the world be like? It would be a, oh, I guess what popped in my mind first, I'll just say that a beehive of activity of facing the future with with courage and confidence um nations would would get along um that even when there are differences there would be negotiations that would be mutually beneficial um conversations and and governments would be uh in high integrity um families would model integrity and children would learn that mutual benefit is more delicious than personal gain at the expense of another uh the taking of life would be an anathema in truth that people wouldn't even consider that that war would truly be a last resort if it existed at all Uh, in 10 years it may not be a thing of the past 
but people would be actively working to have harmony among among nations. Um, there would be uh, a clear path to food for everyone. Um, and the pull on our finite natural resources would be lessened, that we would have uh, um, real faith in renewable energy. I think that having peace as a high core value across national borders, within homes, in school systems, in, in, in our structures, uh, would give us a world that works for everyone. Yeah, you, you may, thank you for that. Yes. And I think you may have just identified the window of opportunity is simply looking in our hearts and seeing, is peace a core value for me? Yes. And I, I don't think there's a person out there who would say to themselves, wait a minute, yes. Yeah. I'm, I mean, everyone will say, of course I want peace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think so. I, th I, th I think if we can bring it down to the personal level, certainly. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think you leave us with um, a pretty good question to maybe ask ourselves, mm -hmm. which is just, is peace a core value for me? Yes, yes. is peace a core value for me? Yeah. When, when you recognize something that brings you out of your peace, would you rather have peace or have that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a legitimate question. Some some people might make peace secondary to something else. But at least asking the question and continuing to ask the question, I think, could lead us to having peace. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Yeah. That's such an, oh, I just, that's sitting inside of me right now. And I just, yeah. you were talking about the deliciousness. Yes, 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 yes. That is a delicious thought. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Yeah, yeah. I like it too. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, this has been um, such a special time with you. So thank you. Thanks right. for uh, your wisdom. Well, thank you. Thank you. And, and, and uh, thank you for giving me this this opportunity. I love your questions. Uh, they, uh, they cause me to dig a little deeper uh, than normal. So you're good at what you do. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Charles. I really appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. So we know that you're coming back and you're going to come back uh, to the show and talk about the actual program that you set up for Peace Beginning, you know, Peace okay. Beginning. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. Okay. Yeah, sure. And sure. maybe you'd be willing to share with us what happened with the congregation when you put out that we'll call yeah. it for bad, lack of a better way of talking about it right now. It was an internal process and system you brought up for them, right? Yeah. yeah and it wasn't it, it, it wasn't just I. It was it was a group of us. There there were four key people in that. Maybe one day we can get them involved too, but uh uh, um, it, it, it was certainly a team effort and um, 
I'm, I'm just happy with, with, with what we've done. And, and it's by no means over there. There, even though it was a 25 day, a 21 day process, there are people who are still wearing their, their bracelets uh, as I am. And me too. Yeah. Yeah. And you too. <laughs> and you too. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. and I, that really touches on, thank you for being an example of interdependence right? Just by bringing it up that it, it didn't just get created with you. It got created with you and many other people who are committed to the process and the yes. experience so that many others could have it and share it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Our, our, our vision is larger than, than us, any, any one of us, any, any four of us. It's your, your last question about what would the world look like is at the level that we feel inspired that we contribute to that, mm-hmm. you know? yeah. And it changes the way you behave in life, doesn't it? By just that one single frame of reference that mm-hmm. what if mm-hmm. this was about the bigger, broader world? Right, right. What yeah. if peace really begins with me? Yeah. And if I ask that question in the context of how am I impacting the world? You brought this up for the beginning. How am, is my way of being impacting the world right now? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really, that's the presence of responsibility, being responsible yep. for your world and that you are creating that inside of you. Yeah, yeah. It makes me rethink every, every time I, I, I want to complain about something or someone. <laughs> <laughs> So did I contribute to that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's great. Well, and I, I think um, it gives rise to the fact that our thoughts, right back to the electromagnetic conversation we we're having about every mm-hmm. part of ourselves, our thoughts really do have some power. They have some impact. They are a radio yeah. frequency. Yeah, they are. And it's measurable. And it's measurable. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and probably in, in dimensions that we, we haven't discovered yet, but, but certainly in the EM field, the electromagnetic field. Yeah. 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 Wow. Well, this has been a conversation that's broadened many spectrums. I hope there are scientists out there who are saying, well, I never really thought of it in this way. <laughs> <And we've>, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we've offered them an, uh, something new to explore. And then I hope that there are people who too are inside of, you know, the spiritual conversation who are saying, well, maybe there is a science to this. Yes. Yeah. And, and we, we all uh, uh, can come together in a conversation to at least listen to each other. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, I, I hope so too. I hope so too. Well, I'll be holding your vision for a peaceful world within 10 years from now. Thank when you. We're, yeah. There's peace in schools and there's peace in government. Mm-hmm. And you know we're we're not looking at harming another individual. That's not a part of who we are. We're looking at uplifting them, right? Bringing bringing them more of the heart of peace, as you mentioned. Yeah. Well, thank you. I I join you in joining me because I know that you have a vision uh, that's probably similar. Else, you wouldn't be doing this peace podcast. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Whatever I can do to support your work, you let me know. Thank you. Well, I think for for sure now, anybody who wants to borrow our belief that that peace is possible. Yes. And that it's possible right now because it's possible inside of you. 
Yes. They can borrow that belief right this minute. Right now, in, yeah. in this moment that you're hearing this. Yeah. yeah. Just know that peace is possible, if nowhere else, for yeah. you. Yeah. And then the peace in the world begins with you. Yeah. Just like it begins with us. So divine. Uh, thank you, Maria. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Charles. I'm so looking forward to our future conversations. I am too. This, this is such a, a pleasure and an honor. Thank you so much. Talk with you soon. If you would like more information, please visit our website at peaceamplified.com. May you have peace in your heart, peace in your community, and peace in your world.